Welcome to the Mindful Personal Training Podcast with Dr. Clint Cepeda. Dr. Cepeda will discuss all the issues you face when losing weight, creating effective exercise design, and training with intensity. Dr. Cepeda is a health and exercise science researcher specializing in obesity, program design, and mindful behavioral changes. Be sure to stop by drclintcepeda.com for more information. And now, here is Dr. C. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Once again, so humbled to uh, be downloaded by people right just all over the world. We're very happy once again and very humbled that you get a chance to subscribe and share and download the episodes. This week, we are talking about, I guess, Lately, I guess these last uh, few months or so since we started the podcast, uh, people had some questions about exercises and what is the best this and what is the best that? What's my opinion on this? Um, and uh, you know what? And I think what I'd like to do is highlight maybe some things and some questions that were sent to us uh, via email through the website www.drclintcepeda.com. Uh, blatant plug there. But uh, one of the questions was, or were, or was maybe grammatically incorrect. What, what is the big deal about the squat? And uh, there were different questions about it. You know, why squat? What's the importance? Um, I'm, I'm afraid to squat. I do like to squat. I squat heavy. Should I squat lighter? My back hurts. I mean, there was just so many different types of questions about, in my opinion, one of the most complete and quite frankly, maybe total body exercise that is out there that people see, but nine times out of 10, they're not doing it correctly. And what I mean by that is the squat is such a, it's an edge exercise. Uh, Let me explain. It's an edge exercise because one tweak of that back or a slight lean forward, or you have a, a knee out of place in the alignment of the hip and from your closed kinetic chain from the ground to the ankle, to the knee, to the hip, to the lower back, and something is slightly off. It's that edge exercise where right on that edge, if you're not doing it correctly and you didn't learn proper mechanics, you are going to hurt yourself. So I think what we'd like to highlight, uh, at least for this episode, is with the squat there is three things that I'd like to talk about and focus on. And one of them is neuromuscular conditioning, which I think is, is, is one of the big ones. And it's one of those exercises where you have to actually think if you're squatting just for the sake of squatting and not getting that neuromuscular conditioning and that kinetic chain from head to toe, or in this case, from the ground up, you're in trouble and you can't break through any of your strength thresholds and you can't break through your fear of squatting because you maybe have hurt yourself in the past or got bad squat advice. I'm here to tell you, I'm going to help you with that. It's just a matter of you getting over that fear. And speaking of fear, it's the fear of bending. Um, You know, a lot of the guys in the gym, there is no bending in a lot of the exercises that are the favorites. Bench press, bicep curl, tricep pushdowns, uh, overhead presses, a lat pull down, a seated row. Those things don't require that much bending. But squatting, mm, now we got some flexibility issues, right? And then it becomes the fear of bending. And once again, anything off in that kinetic chain, a little tweak here, a little tweak there, maybe in the past, they hurt themselves. They hurt their back. They hurt their spine. Um, a little alignment problems. The hip joint was out of alignment. Uh, the quadratus lumborum was a little bit off and creating a pain. Uh, neck pain, even shoulder pain, just because maybe the weights were too heavy. 
and that barber was sitting just a little bit off on that nerve ending and it, and it got you. And like I mentioned before, I really think that the squat is a true total body exercise. So let's just break it down to those three parts. When you look at your squat, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly really need you to, to take it easy. And especially if you're not too familiar with the squat, and this goes for both men and females and the emerging athlete, those that are in high school, that you have to make sure that your foot and your knee like each other. And, and the reason I say that is because I'll see people that rack that squat and the foot may be forward, but that knee just wants to come on in. And that's just training that the hip has not found an alignment to handle the type of weight or that type of movement. Now you got to think your femur is in that hip socket. And if that femur and that hip socket is turning itself in, so is that kneecap for lack of a better term, commonly known as the patellofemoral joint. Now, if they're moving in, both kneecaps are moving in and your feet are faced forward or slightly turned out to the right or the left, respectively, you're going to run into some problems. Not only is that the incorrect way to have a squat, but you're also setting yourself up for a kinetic chain that is used to that movement pattern and you turn around and gain some confidence. So you add another plate and another plate. Eventually, you're going to try and lift weight that that kinetic chain, that knee coming in tight into the middle and the toes are faced forward, maybe slightly out, slightly in where it's just going to break. And then you can set yourself up for an LCL, MCL, ACL, tear, strain, pull, whatever, name it. You're going to get it. So neuromuscular conditioning is defined as the brain sending signals to turn on when it's asked to and turned on not because you're thinking about it, but it's been trained to turn on because of what the workload is required. So for instance, when I set up for a lift and I stand underneath that bar and I make sure that one, that my lower back is not bent forward. That's the first thing you want to set up the bar enough to where it can sit comfortably on that trap. And as you do that, you're thinking all the way through, you're turning everything on. So your neuromuscular conditioning, at least from a squat perspective is from the ground up. I'm looking and making sure that my feet are faced forward before I even lift the bar off the rack. You make sure your foot placement is where it needs to be. Now, if you're in a power cage or a squat rack, of course, you're going to take two, three steps backwards, but you have to understand that pattern and understand that your movement backwards should be an exact replica of your movement forward. Because if you set yourself out underneath the bar and the foot is where it needs to be to make it easy for yourself and your body. You have to take those steps exactly backward in the same position when you re-rack the weights. So it's a lot of thought involved. Once again, that neuromuscular conditioning. Next, what we're looking at is when I set myself underneath that bar and I look at the feet, I start to have a slight bend to my knee already. And the reason why, so we can take the load because I'm going to stand up with it. I'm not going to go ahead and have my knee fully flexed or fully straight rather and stand up that way because that tells me that the bar is too high. So you have to make those adjustments, but with the neuromuscular conditioning, it becomes second nature. So if you're starting to turn all the muscles on without even lifting the bar off the rack, 
your neuromuscular conditioning should have turned on the minute you start walking forward. You're not thinking about how heavy it is. You're trying to get your mind right. You're focused forward. If you're plugged in with your music, you're picking your favorite song to get you pumped. Then that neuromuscular conditioning will kick in because it starts from the ground up. The squat is a closed kinetic chain exercise. That means it's close to the floor. It's not in the air. It's something that you can use the ground and the floor and that heel push as extra energy, extra kinetic energy that can trigger everything from the ankle to the anterior posterior tibialis to your calves on the backside, hamstrings, definitely quads, making sure that you guys are aligned with your kneecap or your patellofemoral joint, your hip, your glute, your lower back, your lats, your traps, your shoulders to hold the bar, your biceps to stabilize triceps to stabilize forearm and the bar is held with that wrist as just a brace. So you worked your body up from head to toe. It wasn't just, Oh, it's just legs and something, something is going to collapse. Everything gets turned on. It's like a hotel. You start on the first floor. If you see the lights, then that entire floor turns on. Then you're looking for the next floor, third, fourth, and so on. You want to see a fully lit building. And that's what you kind of want to envision for your body, fully lit. Make sure everything is flexed and strong enough to handle that squat rack or handle that bar across your back and your traps so that way you can walk efficiently backwards. Now, if you are starting to shake, and I've seen it, and I know you've seen it too, your legs are starting to shake. Two things are happening here. One, of course, the obvious one is the weight is too heavy. Don't be a hero. Or an anti-hero, because a real hero would go, you know what, I'm gonna, let me loosen the weight. Don't be an anti-hero and go, you know, I still got it. I'm going to go ahead and go through the pain. No, you're an idiot. If your legs are starting to shake, you're not ready. Two, that's a sign that you didn't turn everything on and that your neuromuscular conditioning is not conditioned enough to lift that weight. So those two factors should tell you to re-rack and practice and practice and practice. Even if it's a lighter weight, we've talked about ego lifting. We talk about for men who have pride and that, man, I already have it on my back. Don't let me re-rack and take weight up. Why not? Why not? You're not getting paid to lift. So don't take the legs that are shaking as, oh, my body needs this. No, your body does not need that. Your legs don't need that. You obviously, like I said, there's two things happening that the weight is too heavy or you haven't turned on your brain to turn on all the necessary support muscles, your prime movers, your synergistic muscles to help you lift that weight. That's all it is. Because when your muscle and your body is shaking like that, that is usually not a good sign. Not at all. You have to think that your legs are like trunks, tree trunks. So when you squat, you can almost feel the, the pounding of you just taking each step and there's solid, solid pieces of block. And you understand that these solid pieces of block are going to lift this weight. Nothing's going to stop you. You're turning everything on. So the neuromuscular conditioning that you should be aware of starts not from head to toe, but from toe all the way up. The heels are the drivers. You'll feel that extra push and drive those heels, not the toes into the ground. Now you'll see somebody who's leaning forward and those toes are getting some action. You can see it in the shoes. And that means you're in trouble because all your power is coming from those toes. And you're just probably a couple of inches away from leaning forward and getting that bar rode on the backside of your neck to the backside of your head. Squatting is heel driven, not toe driven. It's not a plantar flex 
movement. It is a flat movement because you're using the floor as an extra anchor or an extra base. Now you have to be flexible enough to make sure that you activate everything there. And that leads into the fear of bending. For most men, women, not too much, not too much, but for most men, it's the fear of bending. And it's not necessarily that it's a heavy weight. It's that they lack the flexibility in the hip, the lumbopelvic hip region to squat down deep enough to get a full range of motion that activates hamstrings, glutes, hip flexors, quads. Because if you are only doing quarter reps and you think you're doing going down low, you're really burning out that kneecap and you're really just working your hip flexors and you're getting minimal effort from the quads in the front and definitely no effort from the glutes and no effort from the hamstrings. It just doesn't work like that. Fear of bending down is a factor of many things. Some of the obvious things is that the abdominal wall, your stomach, it's too big. That means you can't bend down because the obstruction is there and that's why you're afraid to squat. Now, there are guys with huge guts and they're just huge as well, but they're also flexible. And some of the strong men out there and the power lifters, their stomach is big for a reason. The calories that they consume, it helps them push that extra weight. The amount of energy expenditure they have for lifting this heavy weight matches that. And it's not fat that's there. You're talking about an abdominal wall that's strong enough to take care of the load and the lift that they're doing. And you're talking about five, 600, 700, 800 pounds. Now for the average lifter, if your stomach is that big and you're not in a powerlifting meet, then that's just fat. That's just obstruction. That's just you out of shape. And that hinders the flexibility for you to bend forward or to bend down rather. And then you're more likely to bend forward and once again, put pressure in the patellofemoral joint, get some injuries here and there, lumbar, the whole deal. Flexibility and fear of bending, if you are flexible, will go ahead and counteract the bending problem. Now, remember, if you're bending at the waist, that's not a squat. If you're dropping straight down, imagine a straight line at the top of your head going straight down to the middle of your body and it's anchored to that floor. It's an up and down line. That's what we're looking for, for the most part. You can do it, but you have to understand that if you're on your toes, you're not bending down deep enough, your legs are shaking, then you're not doing that straight line from the head all the way through the midline of the body. That invisible line, you have to think, is a straight line that's immovable. If you're shifting weight forward or even backward in some cases, that line changes, right? Lifting and exercise is a bunch of lines and angles. That's one of the foundations of being able to lift properly, safely, efficiently, and with a purpose. It's lines and angles, man. But if your line and angle is shifting and that's not the way it should go, and that's not the way it should be, especially on the squat, you are in trouble. So to alleviate the fear of bending, what you need to do is get flexible. Drop down. Get as flexible as possible in that hamstring, in the inside of your thighs, your your adductor muscles, your hips, your glutes. The more flexible you are there, the the, the more range of motion you have and you activate all the helper muscles. Yeah, you can say that squats are primarily for quads, but I beg to differ. If you're doing everything correctly, 
everything gets turned on at its appropriate time. A deep squat will go ahead and work the glutes, the inner thigh, the hip flexor. As you come up and pushing through the heel, now we're getting some hamstring activation, still glute activation. And then now we're breaking that 90 degree line and you're getting some quad activation. The calves are stable. Standing up, hip flexors, your core is tight. Lumbar is straight. You have a neutral spine. These are things to think about. You just can't squat for the sake of squatting and follow bad habits and bad demonstrations. Get the squat down, even if you don't have to use the bar. That's perfectly fine. But when you do a bodyweight squat, think about it. See what muscles get turned on. You need to rep out as many reps as you can so you can understand what the feeling is. Yeah, you're going to get the quad burn. I, pr- I guarantee you that. But by doing enough bodyweight squats, you can turn around and start to feel how that lower lumbar should be functioning. Your glute, at what point do you feel it being turned on? Your hamstring, your anterior tibialis, and posterior tibialis. These are things that when you practice the squat time after time and again after again, you know right in the middle of your rep count, oh, I didn't get down low enough. I can, I can tell. And you can tell that. Not just by the mirror that's in front of you, but going, mm, nope, I didn't get any activation there. I didn't feel that the muscle was helping me out, that the hamstring or the glute was helping me out. But it does help to be as flexible as possible, especially in the glute and the hamstring area, to get the fear of bending to go away. But another thing that can help you with that is foam rolling. And we'll talk about that in another episode, but foam rolling, big proponent of that. And in some circles with the tiger tail, getting a, a good partner to to help you with that deadly stick. If you've ever gotten tiger tail, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But these are more recovery and, and there are post and pre-exercise tools to use. But foam rolling and being as flexible as possible will help you recover, will help you with a better squat, will help you keep safe that lower back that everybody complains about. And finally, the squat, it, it really is a true total body workout. The amount of concentration it takes to turn on automatically your body from head to toe, from that closed kinetic chain, from that heel, going right from that floor to the heel, all the way up the line through each proverbial joint. That ankle joint needs to be stabilized. That patellofemoral joint, your knee joint needs to be stabilized. That hip joint needs to be stabilized. The lumbar joint needs to be stabilized. The neck, your C-spine needs to be stabilized. That your shoulders need to be stabilized. And that elbow needs to be stabilized. Those are all the joints that help with the squat. If you're talking about muscles, of course, the lower torso is all taken care of with the glutes, hamstrings, quads, anterior posterior tibialis, but also your stomach, your core. You touch somebody's external obliques where the rib cage is at as they're squatting, the thing is tight. It's activated. Triceps and biceps are stabilizing that bar, so you've got to be strong enough to hold that. And your shoulders have to be conditioned enough to where they're not afraid to put that much weight on there and they help stabilize it. Now with the chest, you just need to be flexible, but you need a big chest and sit, stand upright when you're doing a squat because that helps stabilize as well. It's still activated, even though it's stretched, it's still activated. So almost, or the lack of a better term, almost a true total body workout. That's why with people that are great squatters, look at them. They can go to town on a squat. Not only are their legs fully developed and just good looking, great legs, calves, the squat looks good, looks smooth, 
But the way their upper body is developed to handle that type of squatting, whether you're squatting 315 or 225, the body, the upper body is strong enough to handle that weight, but it is flexed. Make no bones about it. If you were having uh, somebody squat in front of you, 500, you may not see it, but they are gripping that bar hard. (laughs) That forearm is gripped. That bicep and tricep is trying to stabilize that bar as much as possible. The chest is big and wide. The shoulders are tight. Definitely back and the latissimus and the inner muscles next to the spine are activated to protect the spine. Core is definitely activated. And of course, we're not, we don't need to talk about the lower torso because that's what you're working on primarily. So it is a true total body workout. Can you do an entire workout with just with the squat and different variations and feel wiped out with just one exercise, the squat, and just make it as varied as possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, there are times when we as a team, all we did was squat for an hour, but we made different variations. So you had your legs that were a little bit tighter. They weren't shoulder width apart. Then you work it out, maybe shoulder width apart, then maybe wide. Then you had the sumo squats. Then you had squats where the rubber bands were at the end and attached kettlebells to that. I mean, there's so many variations. It, it, you wouldn't believe what you could do with the squat. And some of them I just don't recommend to the average lifter because it's not required. So for instance, putting 135 on my back and dropping down and plyoing with 135 on your back, I don't recommend that for everybody. But we did it because we needed explosive legs. And that is another squat. Again, dropping down. And the minute you hit your threshold on the bottom, you jump up as high as you can. Now that is total body because you have to control that 135 on your back. It is done. It's been done. It does create explosive movements. But the next time you try it, try the squat. Think about what you can do and vary it. For us, one of the things that we did was put that 135 and you get the super band. So you attach that super band towards the end of each collar on the barbell. Then you slip your feet in each one. So it feels like you're a Pinocchio. So that band is attached to the bar and the other end of the band is attached to the bottom of your foot. And you're squatting that. 135 is easy for a guy to squat. But when you add the bands, now it's a different story. And then now you talk about explosive strength, extra resistance. So let's say we did that for 30 seconds up and down. When then what I would do after that is get rid of the bands, put 225 on it and see if you can press anywhere between five to eight reps right after that immediately. It does help to have a team because they can re-rack the weights for you. But that's another variation to get an awesome leg power movement while working on strength endurance at the same time. So it wasn't a bodybuilding movement per se. It's a sport athletic movement, a strength endurance movement, definitely a neuromuscular conditioning movement getting the head involved. But the squat is to truly a, a, a total body exercise. Your fear of bending down shouldn't stop you from doing it. And the best way to have the best squats is to have that brain be so conditioned that your neuromuscular fibers and your transmitters turn everything on when you're ready to lift heavy, light, moderate, strength endurance, whatever you want to do. So the next time you take a look at that squat, don't be afraid. Just see how low you can go. That's going to do it this week for Mindful Personal Training with Dr. Clint Cepeda. That's me, Dr. C. 
We appreciate all the support. And if you have any more questions, please do not hesitate to drop us a line. Stop by www.drclintcepeda.com. Cepeda, C-E-P-E-D-A. That gets misspelled all the time. We'll see you next week. Take care. Remember, stay healthy, stay well, and stay fit. Dr. Clint Cepeda has a research background in health science and exercise sports science with a focus in obesity and mindfulness. The statements made in this podcast are for educational and motivational purposes only.